be in Psalm 77, and, and, and hopefully I can help you a, a, a little bit this, this morning. I, I mean, I, when I say me, I, I, you, know, you know what I mean. I'm just the messenger. I'm just, I just got to stand up here and open my mouth wide and pray the Lord fills it. Amen? I, I want you to get some help because it's, it's in this day and age that we live in, we, we are com- constantly just hounded by the world. And it's going to be a little bit different, I think, than I typically do, because this is going to kind of be like, half of this will be more of like a Bible study. I want to, I want to run, I'm probably going to run more references than I've ever run in a sermon before. Uh, so get your trigger fingers ready, all right? Um, don't, don't fall asleep on me now, I'll try to keep you awake. Um, but I'm not as loud or, you know, uh, I don't stomp it as much as Pastor Mike, so, so just kind of, you know. Just, hey, just bear with me. Hang in there, all right? Um, I'm going to read uh, some verses here, and then I'm going to go on what seem, might, might seem like a tangent, but it isn't, all right? It's all related. Um, but let's, let's start in, in verse number one here in Psalm 77. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his his promise fail evermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Uh, Brother Rob, would you mind praying for us this morning? Ask the Lord to meet with us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for allowing us again to meet together and to come here, Lord. I ask that you take this time as we open up your word. I ask that you please fill Brother Kelly with your spirit and just give him boldness to preach and just guide and direct his heart and mind for the things that he studied, the things that you've shown him, Lord, that we need to hear from you today. We'll give you the honor, Lord, from everything that you do. Amen. Amen. Let me get these keys off me. Let me put my phone on mute. Of course, if I don't, that's going to, you know, ring in the middle of service here. Um, All right. All right, so I'm not going to go through every single verse in this passage, uh, although they're all good. I want to focus on just a few. Um, but I want to kind of set the, set the ground first, okay? I want to kind of lay some groundwork so that we kind of hopefully are all on the same page, all right? Um, in a couple weeks now, two, two weeks and one day, Pastor Peacock is going to be here. And uh, I have found that typically when it comes to, you know, revival meetings, um, day number one typically starts off kind of rough, uh, what I mean is, you know, you had to go to work that day, 
you know, you're already exhausted and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I got to try to make it to a church service every day this week. And you're just thinking about how tired you're going to be by the end of the week. And, uh, but, but you come, you know, even though the devil tries to throw some things at you, try to get you off track, um, I, I guarantee you this much, okay, two weeks and one day, or that Monday, I guarantee you, some of you guys are going to be fighting with your wife. Some of, some of you are, are going to be stuck in traffic on the highway while you're trying to make it to church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be things that are going to come up that are going to frustrate you, that, that, that are going to try to, well, we'll get you to just say, you know what, I'll just go tomorrow. You know what I mean? It's, it's me, it's, we're meeting all week. What's one service? I'll just come tomorrow. I'll just come Tuesday instead. That, that's typically what, at least for me, that's what I found happens on that first day of the meeting. We, the, the, the devil, the world, the flesh, the devil, all that stuff just gets thrown at you because the devil doesn't want you meeting here for a whole week or for half a week. He doesn't, he doesn't want you getting any of this preaching. But, then, but, but you do come and, and, you know, it goes pretty good, right? I mean, it, maybe you're not all fired up, you know, like you want to be, but, but the Lord speaks to your heart. He says something to you. You get something right between you and the Lord. And, and, you, and you leave the service that evening thinking, man, I'm, I'm glad I came. I, I'm glad that I, I pushed through the obstacles that were there, and I'm glad that the Lord spoke to me. And, and, and the second day comes around, and you're a little more excited than the first day, right? Because, well, if the Lord spoke to you yesterday, he's certain he's going to do that again today. Um, the devil still tries to keep you out of church, but you're like, no, not today, Satan, right? And you're, and you're, more, you're more adamant about being there because the Lord had just spoken to you the, the day before. You're, you're excited about being there, and, and, and so, so you, you, just got that, you just got more of that drive to, to be there for the second day. And, and you come, and, and, and the Lord speaks to you even more. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking from personal experience, and I know I've talked to some of you about this, and you say the same thing. This is, tip, this is typical for revival meetings. That second day, the, the Lord speaks to you more. He, he shows you a couple more things about you, uh, about, about just how wicked you are compared to a holy God. He shows you some things about himself. And, and you just draw closer to the Lord, and, and you're having a good time, and, and, and you're enjoying it, and you're glad you came, and you're getting all fired up. And then the next day comes, the third day, and, and man, you're really on fire for the Lord. And by the time the preaching gets done... You realize, you're, wait, we're not, there's no more preaching. We're not coming back tomorrow. We're not coming back on Thursday or, or Friday. Like, I'm, I'm finally at a point where I'm all excited and fired up and right with God, and then the preaching's over. So what, what, I, what my goal is, and it, it's going to have to be the Lord that does it. I can't do it for you. But what I want to try to do is, let's try to prep our hearts this morning for when Pastor Peacock comes in two weeks. Man, if we could use the service today and tonight and Wednesday and next Sunday, if we could use these services to try to prep our hearts for what Pastor Peacock is going to come preach to us, I think the, the way that we normally are at the end of the meeting, all fired up and excited, I think we'd be able to start the week off that way. And I think we would be amazed at what the Lord could do if our spirits and our hearts were right with him from the very beginning of it, from right from the get-go. Now, when we come to Psalm chapter 77, um, Psalm of David, right? And, and oftentimes when we think of David, we think of really only two things. Like, well, two things are the first things that pop up into our mind, right? You, you think of David and Goliath, obviously. That's a great story. Um, and then the second thing you think of 
and you're already thinking of it, is the story of Bathsheba. Right? Those tend to be the two big stories, but there are so many more stories in David's life with so many more details than just those two. And I think we can kind of get focused on a little too much on, how would I word it? Well, we don't read the whole counsel of God. <laughs> because there were some times that David went through difficult things and it, it wasn't because of anything wrong that he did or, you know... He, Obviously, he went through difficult times during the, the, his sin with Bathsheba. But that was his fault. But there were also times where he was going through, through difficult things, and it wasn't his fault. It, it was just the circumstances of life. You, you, you think about Saul and David. These are two men that responded two completely different ways to the situations that were presented to them. The, the, this one thing is what separated Saul from David. When David went through difficult times... He turned to the Lord, and when Saul went through difficult times, he looked for anything and everything to blame. When Saul was supposed to kill the king, he kept him in chains, and the prophet came to him and asked him, you know, why is he still alive? And I'm sure, I'm sure Saul had plenty of excuses. It's like, well, you know, we thought it'd be nice that like, when we're down and discouraged, we could bring that king out and, and realize what kind of a, a just you know, remember back to what kind of a victory we had over, over our enemies. And, and, and the prophet said, so who, victory who had? We, well, you know what I'm saying, preacher. You know, I know God gave us the victory and all that sort of thing. And, no, but see, that was, that was Saul's problem. He was always thinking about himself. He was always thinking about what he wanted. I mean, what drives a man to try to kill another young man who's trying to serve the Lord? He throws that spear at David. What, I mean, can you, anybody here actually imagine try, trying to kill another guy just, just because the Lord was doing something in his life? I mean, this, this man was out of his mind. The whole reason he wanted to kill him was simply because of envy. It was simply because of jealousy. It was simply because God had given David some things and promised him some things that Saul wanted. They were singing about Saul. Saul had killed his thousands, right? Yeah, but, but David his ten thousands. And so, so as we look throughout Scripture, and as we're going to see in this passage and a few other, we're going to run a bunch of references, um, there, there's a few things in our life that can get in the way of us serving the Lord. And, and especially in this day and age, I'm going to do my best to try to hammer it home. Um, and hope, hopefully, by the grace of God, I'll be able to do that. Um, but, but we tend to get this perspective in our Christian life that if we are serving the Lord, if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, you're in church this morning, right? You, we, we get this idea that, well, Sunday then... Sunday must, that day must go better for us than any other day of the week. Because it's the day we're setting aside for the Lord, right? It's, it's a spiritual day where we're trying to serve the Lord on that day. Things are going to go well for us because we're serving the Lord. Uh, but the problem is, when you look all throughout Scripture, the, the pattern tends to be the opposite. Um, you, you look in Scripture and, and you, look at, you look at Mary and Martha coming to Jesus and, and saying, you know, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, it's... And he, you know, he doesn't really say much to him. It's like he just sits there and says, pass the potatoes, you know. Like, he, doesn't, he doesn't really address it. And then, and then later they come back and Martha comes back and, and says, Lazarus is dead. And, and you know what Jesus Christ says? <laughs> he says, I'm glad. He says, I'm glad. 
so that the Son of Man may be made manifest, and, and so on and so forth. And, but, but, but you see, God has an entirely different perspective of the way we see things. Martha had told Jesus, like, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And, you know, we can kind of beat up on her here and there, and, you know, give her a hard time. But, but that's, I think that's a true statement. I think, yeah, if Jesus Christ had been there, he wouldn't have died. But we, we have this completely different perspective about the, the situations and circumstances that we go through. We think they should be a certain way. We think that we should be shielded from evil things, from bad things, because we are doing right. 1 Peter 4 says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you. Don't think it strange. <laughs> it's going to come. Uh, turn real quick with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 9 through 10 to start. Now this is, this is the, the Macedonian call. All right. Acts 16, 9 through 10, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly, uh, yeah, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. So somebody, a vision appears to Paul and tells Paul to go over to Macedonia, and Paul understands that this is the Lord and that this is what the Lord's calling me to do, and so I need to go over there and, and start preaching. But something strange happens when he gets there, Every time they get down to pray, they start getting interrupted by some woman with a familiar spirit. Now, he, he's in the will of God. He's doing exactly what it is the Lord told him to do, and yet he meets opposition. Look at verses 19 through 21 in that chapter. 19 through 21. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, see, it's always about the money, isn't it? They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive nor to observe, being Romans. Look at verses 23 and 24. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Well, Paul, I guess you weren't really following the Lord, because when you follow the Lord, you know, you're supposed to be blessed, right? Your, your best life now, right? I don't, I don't understand preachers who can get up and, and preach that sort of thing. I mean, it, it, it's, well, I mean, I, I guess I get it. You've got to be devil-possessed to, to get up there claim to be speaking for the Lord and, and tell them nothing but the opposite of what the truth is? Man. Paul's over there in, in Lystra and gets stoned, right? Man, <laughs> you know, when you, when you read your Bible, you really got to slow down sometimes and think. I, I do not believe, now, sanctified imagination, whatever, I do not believe he stood there and said, like, yes, bring it on, like, just let the stones hit me. No, if, if somebody starts throwing rocks at you, 
You're ducking and weaving. You're trying to dodge those rocks. You're running for your life. So I'm, I'm, I'm picturing Paul running for his life, trying to get out of there. After all, he wants to be alive to preach the gospel. He's got work to do, right? And I, and I, and I, can, I can imagine if you were to ask Paul what the best time in his, in his life ever was, what the best times are that he had, he'd probably, he'd probably stand there and say, you know what, there was that one time I got knocked off that horse. You know, it kind of looked bad from the outside. You know, that's, getting knocked off a horse, that's quite a fall. Um, it it kind of looked bad from the outside. I, you know, I ended up with a problem that, that plagued me for the rest of my life. My vision was horrible. It was a, a, a thorn in the flesh that the Lord let me have to try to keep me humble. And, uh, but you know what? I met the Lord on that road. I met the Lord when I got knocked off that horse. That was, that was probably one of the best times. You, you know what? Another good time he'd probably say would be, you know, I was out there preaching and, and you know, all of a sudden I, I noticed these people started getting a little, little, you know, antsy. They started kind of squirming a bit, getting kind of angry. And, and I noticed a couple of them started picking up the stones and I thought, oh, no, here we go. You know, I, I've been through this before, right? And kind of starts backing up and and then, but then the rocks started, started coming, and, and they started hurling those things. And I thought I was going to get out of there. You know, I'd only, I got, like, hit in the leg once, you know, trying to run away. But then all of a sudden, I got clocked right in the head, right in the dome, man. And, and, and I felt my body kind of crumple and hit the ground. And I remember thinking to myself, like, like, like really, Lord? Like, is this it? Like, is this, is this the way I'm going out? Like, it's just over? Just, you're just done with me, just like that? I, I could feel that warm blood dripping down my face, and then... You know, all of a sudden, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but I was standing up there, and man, I saw some things. Man, you could, you could not believe the things I saw up there. See, see from, from, the, from, from Paul's perspective, what he would tell you would be what seemed to be the, the absolute worst time for him in the physical sense was the absolutely best time for him in the spirit. And it's difficult because we, we, we go through hard times and, and well, quite, quite frankly, we, we, we tend to just chalk it up to the devil. We just tend to chalk it up to, you know, that's just life. It's just, you know, but, but hey, maybe, maybe the Lord's letting you go through something. Try to get your attention. Maybe, maybe the Lord's letting you go through something because he wants to draw you closer to him. David went through a lot of difficult times, and, and the difference between him and Saul was that David always let God use those difficult times to draw him closer to God. I mean, you think about any, anybody in the Bible, right? You think about Joseph, you know, he's down in that pit getting sold into slavery. That's pretty rough. You know, I don't think that was a fun time. But man, when he, when years later, when he's there providing for his family... When he's, when, when, he's able, when he's in a position to be able to take care of the ones he loved, I think he was probably just thanking God, thank you for letting those circumstances play out the way they did, because now I'm here in a position able to be a blessing to those that I love. You, you think about Daniel in that lion's den, you know, I mean, I, it would be pretty scary to be in that kind of situation, situation a bunch of lions uh, you know, I, you know they, they, the lions know when, they, when a fresh body gets dropped into that den, it's feeding time. You understand? And, and so Daniel's down there, and, and, and all of a sudden that he gets a big old wet tongue just across the face, right? And he's probably thinking, oh, man, here it is. I'm done for, right? They, they're just tasting it, right? They're just tasting me. 
And then, and then all of a sudden that, that cat comes up and just kind of just rubs against him. And he's thinking, what in the world is going on? Well, he, he knew what was going on. He knew the Lord showed up. In, in one of the worst times of his life, God showed up. And so my hope and prayer for us is that we can, we can keep that in the forefront of our minds. I mean, you, th- you think about the woman at Zarephath, and, and, and she's providing that, though, she's making those little cakes with her boy, and, and what Scripture tells you is that, that she was, they were going to eat those cakes and then die. And you've got to understand something. It's not like she poisoned the biscuit or something and was going to eat it and just fall over dead. Death from starvation takes a while. Do you understand that? It can take 30 days. So she understood once they ate that, it was going to be a long, slow, painful process on the way to the grave. But that preacher came in, that prophet came in and said, hey, give me the food first. (laughs) And she, in the midst of her troubles, not thinking about herself or her son or her family, right, gave the, the prophet the food. And then in the midst of the darkest time of her life, God turned around and provided for her in a miraculous way. God is is such a good and gracious God, but we really get sidetracked when we start going through difficult times. Scripture tells us that if we should suffer, if we shall suffer, we shall also reign with Him. So, So let me get this straight, Christian. Physical suffering means eternal rewards. Let me get more specific with it. Living a Christian life is, without a doubt, the best kind of life I can live. Like, selfishly speaking, right? It's the best for my flesh, right? Because I'm not smoking, I'm not killing my body, I'm not drinking, I'm not, right? It's the best for me physically. The Lord has promises in Scripture where, look, if you're filled with the Spirit, right, you're going to have love, joy, and peace, right? You're going to be living your life in such a way where you enjoy it. Like, it's, it benefits you in the here and now to be living a life that Jesus Christ wants you to live. And God said, if you do that which already benefits you in the here and now, I'm also going to bless you in eternity for doing what's already good for you here. It's mind-blowing to me that God would reward us for just doing right. But that's what Scripture tells us. We're too wound up with the physical Christian. And we're going to look at some verses real shortly here. Bear with me. But we're too wound up with the physical. You know, I wake up the other day, right, and, and, and Israel at war It was the headline I saw. Right? And to be honest, part of me just kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, you know, I was expecting it. I mean, like, like really, at some point, I'm, uh, I'm expecting that to happen, right? With the day and age we live in. It, but, but we're so... Wound, if, if, if that's the first thing you're reading when you wake up, Christian, you're going to get all stressed out. I mean, you can read the articles about they're trying to take, take our God-given rights. Our God-given, God-given rights. No, it's a founding father-given right. The, the founding fathers gave the rights to the, 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 the Bill of Rights. It wasn't... You, you tell, can you show me where the Bill of Rights is in here? Are you telling me God gave us that? Well, God gave it to us through the government, through the founding fathers, sure, but guess what? The government can take that away. It's not a God-given right. Go, go, go ask the Christians in Morocco. Go, go, ask, go ask Tom's wife if, if they've got a right to gather. 
Oh, sure, they got a right to gather. You, could, you can gather right here in the Colosseum with the lions and the tigers, the bears, and then afterwards we'll burn you at the stake. That's, that's the right you've got as a Christian. You have a right to suffer. You have a right to, what is it, pick up your AR-15 and follow me? Is that what it says? <laughs> no, it says pick up your cross and follow me. That's hard preaching. It's that honestly, that's difficult. That just goes against the flesh so much. And look, I am, I run a Second Amendment business, okay, a gun business. I am very pro Second Amendment, okay. I love it. All right, I just got a, a different job recently, and I get to carry a gun on the job. Amen. I like it. Duty holster. I got an armored vest on. Everything. I like it. I like the guns. I, I like the First Amendment. I like all the amendments, but. But it ain't God-given, but if you think it is, I mean, when you get up and you read those articles, you're going to get all stressed out, like, oh, this liberal DA in this area did this and then this. Have you noticed recently that the, the, the judges in this country, it's like, as it goes up, it, it, court cases keep getting uh, uh, kicked back and forth between conservative judges and liberal judges until it works its way up the Supreme Court. You know, a, a liberal judge will rule something and then it gets appealed and that conservative judge rules the other way and knocks it back down. And it, it's just, you guys, if you're going to trust in men, we're, we're, in a, we're in a mess. You can't be trusting in the judges of this nation. Israel couldn't trust in their judges at a certain point. You know, I mean, I mean whatever, whatever it might be, you know, famine in, in Latin America, I saw an article about it's like, no, yeah, there's a famine, all right. Not a famine of bread, nor of water, but of hearing of the word of the Lord. There's a famine, all right. And, and the devil, in this day and age especially, is doing anything and everything he can to keep your eyes off Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the same thing he did in the garden. When Eve, when Eve what? When Eve saw that the fruit... Right? Isn't that what it says? When she saw, she was, wait, she was supposed to be walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. But, but as soon as the devil was able to get her eyes off of Jesus Christ, he knew, I got her. Right there. And in this day and age, you are looking at anything and everything. Have you ever noticed, you guys, when you're, maybe you don't do this, but when you're scrolling on your phone, I used to scroll Instagram a lot, being in the, the 2A, you know, communities, uh, looking at guns all the time, right? I always wanted another gun because of that, right? Until I got off of it and I realized, oh, I've got all the guns I need, right? You, you got one in each caliber and you're good, right? Um, which is nice because they keep coming out with new calibers. So it's like, yes, I can, I can get another gun. Um, but it, I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, and maybe some of you older folks who maybe you don't even know what Instagram is or whatever. Bear with me, I'll, I'll explain it here. But I, I, I've noticed a phenomenon that happens when you're scrolling through. You typically, you start off pretty casual, just kind of scrolling, and you're paying attention. You're actually paying attention. You're looking like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm gonna, all right, heart, right, save that one. Right? And you're just kind of scrolling through. And then as, as you scroll through, I don't know if you noticed, but pay attention next time you start scrolling faster. And you start scrolling faster and faster. You need, that, you need that new hit because it's addicting. I'm not telling you to get off your phone. I, I got off of Instagram mostly because they just, the, the guidelines that they had, it was too strict. I post a picture of a firearm that, you know, I'm working on. 
And then they've got it set up nowadays where it's AI that flags it. They flag it and they say, your, your account has been limited. Nobody can see your posts unless you remove the post that's in violation. It wasn't like that just a couple of years ago. So I was just like, you know what, forget it. This is, this is pointless. I don't need to be on here anyway. You know, you know what else You know what else the devil does? See, I was, I was just looking at guns, right? I, just, I like guns, right? But you know what the devil does? See, see the, the way those programs are wired, the, the, the way those algorithms are wired, the devil knows, or the algorithm, probably one and the same, amen, the, the, the way that it's programmed is, is the, that Second Amendment community, they know what kind of interests all of those people generally like. So they'll start recommending you new stuff, right? They say, you know, recommended for you is what it'll say, right? And then, and then so I'm just scrolling through gun photos, and then all of a sudden, you know, some photo in, of, of a woman in, you know, working out in, in, you know, tight yoga pants and that sort of thing is, is recommended for you. And, and I, I stop and I, I got to think, man, like, the devil is so subtle. Anything and everything to, to try to get your eyes off of him. You've got to realize something, Christian. The devil does not care what you're looking at as long as it's not Jesus Christ. He does not care. And, and, and we live in a day and age where you are inundated with it. It's just constantly. You think about the way people used to grow up where they had a big old tube TV, right? And, and just nothing but three channels on it, right? Come on, some of you old folks, you can attest to that. Say, amen, yeah, all right. So, you know, and, and, and even then, you might only have had three channels if, if, you know, the antenna was just right. Otherwise, it was static and then two, two other channels that worked. So we live in a completely different day and age than, than you know, our, our mothers and fathers and, and grandparents grew up in. And, and it is difficult. Like, I get it. You are inundated with the world constantly. But you have to understand that that's designed by the devil to be that way. The devil wants to get your eyes off of Jesus Christ. So I want to look in Psalm, now that it's half over already, uh, I want to look in Psalm chapter um, 77 here. I want to read one verse, and then I want to do a li- just a little bit of a study here on it. Um, I think it'll be a help. I honestly do. Psalm 77, we're back there, hopefully. But we're going to be turning a lot, all right? But I'm so nice. I did everything in chronological order for you guys. So you can just turn to the next book, turn to the next book, all right? <laughs> all right, Psalm 77. I want to I focus on just one thing here. I thought this, this really stuck out to me. Psalm uh, 77, verse number, we already read it, but look at verse number, um, uh, I'm sorry, where is it? Uh, number three. It says, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained... And my spirit was overwhelmed. So the overwhelming of the spirit, right there in that passage, is associated and connected with the complaining. You ever feel stressed out, Christian? You ever feel, well, as the passage says, overwhelmed? I wonder if we're whining a little bit too much. I wonder if we're complaining about too much. You say, no, no, you know, I've got, 
I've got things good. Well, I already gave you the example of like the social media, right? Social media, right? Scrolling through and, and looking at things like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. What, what, what is it that, that gets you to do that? What, what is it? It's, it's, it's lust. You say, okay, hold on, now you're kind of getting, no, look, look, here, look at uh, Psalm chapter 78. Uh, oh, no, wait, maybe it wasn't. Psalm 78, yeah, verse 18. Talking about the Israelites, right? It says, And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. They wanted something that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. It was simple as food. It's just food. Yeah. What's the big deal? It's just food. Yeah, but it was something that God hadn't given them. Remember they wanted the, the leeks and the garlic in Egypt? Uh, look at Psalm 81. Look at verses 10 through 16. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Verse 12. So I gave them up unto their own hearts lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should, have, I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted un- themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with, the hun- and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. God had some great things planned for them, but their lust, just for food, See, we, you think lust in this day and age, and you think of something sexual is what you think of. But, but lust can be you, you desiring anything that the Lord didn't give you. And we're going to see that here in a few more verses. Let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 4. I'll try to move fast through these verses, through these references. Mark chapter number 4. Mark 4, verses 2 through 4. Now get this, Christian. And he t- uh, yeah, Mark 4, 2 through 4. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them, Hearken, behold. Um, no, that's not it. Uh, 18, verse 18, I'm sorry. Verse 18 says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Hold on, get this, Christian. These are are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. So you're here this morning, right? You're listening? I don't see no one sleeping. Not yet. You're listening. All right. So you hear the word. Verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Oh man, I didn't get anything out of that preaching this morning. Yeah, something choked the word. That's what happened. Are you asking the Lord to speak to you? I mean, did you walk in here this morning, or did you you pray that this morning at some point? Did you ask Him, Lord, can you just give me something? I'm hungry, Lord. 
I'm here. I, I want to eat from that bread of life. I, Lord, I need something from you. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Just a little bit of a study here, all right? Looking at the word lust. Connecting it to complaining. John chapter 8, verse number 44. It's good to hear pages turning. It is. It's good to hear that. Instead of just a bunch of swiping on a screen trying to find the... Oh, man. All right. 844, it says, Ye are of your father the devil and the... What's it say? And the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That lust, that lust comes straight from the devil. Look at Romans chapter 1. Go to the right, a couple books. Romans chapter 1. Only one bum reference so far. All right, good. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. Oh, well, you know, the Lord, Lord, you know how the women dress these days. It's like, really, Adam? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Really, Adam, you're blaming the woman? Adam, Adam didn't take personal response. He said, the woman that thou gave me. You know what Eve said? The devil did it, that serpent. We're always passing the buck. You don't want to take personal responsibility. If you want to get any help at all this morning, Christian, Christian you have to take personal responsibility. You've got to understand that, that the lust that you have is of your own heart. Look at Romans chapter 13, or, or 6. Let's go to Romans 6 first. Says uh, six verse twelve. It says, "Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof." You know, it's it's funny. You know, when I when I say something to my little girl, when I say something to Livney, if if I don't really think it's a big deal, right? I might just say it once and you know, forgive me. I know you should be on it. It was sort of thing. I know, but I might just say it once and it's like, okay, whatever. It's not that important anyway. Yeah, but if there's something that's really important, <laughs> you know what I'm doing? I'm repeating myself, right? I'm saying, hey, this is the way you need to do it. Hey, uh, hello, did you hear me? <laughs> this is the way you need to do it. Because if you don't brush your teeth this way, you're going to, you know, and you start explaining bacteria to a three-year-old and it just goes over their head. But, right, there's a, a certain way you got to do something and you're explaining and you reiterate it because you want them to get the point. Hello, Christian. You think God repeats himself and reiterates the, the, the point about lust because it's something that we need to pay attention to? Look, look at Romans chapter 13. I don't mean to be brutal to you. you know, I don't mean to be too hard on you, but we, but we need to look at this. Romans 13, verse 14. Put ye on... Sorry, page is still turning. 13, verse 14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh. What's that mean? To fulfill the lusts 
thereof. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Are you going all the way to Revelation? Yep. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2. All right, verses 2 through 3, it says, Wherein, in time past, he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby the nature of children, uh, uh, children of wrath even as others." Look at chapter number 4 in Ephesians. Just a few more here. Ephesians 4, verse 22. Look at this one, man. Verse 22, That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man. This is why Pastor Mike mentions how you are, once you get born again, you are a bona fide schizophrenic. Amen. you got the old man and you got the new man. He says, put off the former conversation... Of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Oh, that's the way lust is, man. That's the way lust is. You know, I walk into the house, open up the freezer, let's see what kind of snacks are in here today. You know, I I see that ice cream bar sitting there, right? I know I bought it for the wife, but I bought it, so I should have at least one. Uh, And and I know know that it's bad for me. You know what I mean? I, I know I shouldn't... You can try to make excuses for carbohydrates and all that, and, and, but I know that that much sugar is it's not good for me. But guess what? My body says, no, but it'll, it tastes really sweet, right? It's really, it's really good. You'll enjoy it. After all, you need the carbs. You need the sugars to keep your brain going, right? It's technically not true, but, you know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'll, just, a, just a little bit, right? That's, that's, the, that's the way it's deceitful. That's the way lust is. Look at, look at, uh, let's go to 1 Timothy. Uh, skip that. 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, flee also youthful lusts, but, here's the contrast, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that uh, call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 6. It says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. That's many different kinds. It's not just one thing. All right? God, call, God calls you silly if you're going to get a drawn, drawn away by a bunch of different lusts. That's, that's scary, because God, God says they were led captive. If, if you, Christian, are going to give into that lust, it, it's just as simple, I gave you the example, it's just as simple as scrolling Instagram. Just looking at the guns that I like. That's all. It seems so innocent. Yeah, but, but when you're constantly feeding that lust into your eyes... You can't be focusing on Jesus Christ. All right, let, let's look at a, a, just a couple more here. Let's look at uh, Titus. Titus chapter 
2. Verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation uh, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, Let's just end it there. The, the, is, that, is that what God's teaching you? That's, that's what it said in, ver, in verse number 12, right? Teaching us that. Did not, is that what you're learning? I, that's not what I'm learning out in the world, that's for sure. What I'm learning out in the world is, no, just indulge. It, you know, you'll like it. You're in, you'll enjoy it. Look at Titus 3, verse 3. It says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Serving diverse lusts. That's what you do when you walk in the flesh. You're, serving, you're not serving God. You're serving the flesh. Let's go to, uh, for, well, let's go to James first. James chapter 4. This is why some of you guys don't have a prayer life. This verse right here. That's rough, I know. I know. But this is why. I don't, I'm not, it's not, I didn't say turn to the book of preacher Kelly Kramer and look at, no, I said turn to James. Let's look at what God said about it. James chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Well, you say, you say no, I mean, I, I ask God for a bunch of things. <laughs> I'm, I'm praying to him, yeah, but then look, look at verse number three. Ye ask, sure, yeah, yeah, you do. Ye ask and receive not. Why? Because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. I wonder how many of my prayers have not been answered because I was praying too selfishly. I think I, I, we'll end it there with those verses. Look at, uh, go back to Psalm chapter 77 and I'll start wrapping this up here. But God has a lot to say about lust. And it's not any one kind. You understand? It's diverse, as Scripture said. Let's try to, try to wrap this up with, with a focus. Remember in the beginning I said I want to try to prepare our hearts for when Pastor Peacock comes in, in two weeks. Let's, let's, let's try to finish this up here and, and do that. I just want to look at, at two more verses. That's it. It's a, a pretty simple message. What was the first point? It was probably something along the lines of abstain from lust. All right. <laughs> I think I hammered that point home pretty good. I think there were a lot of verses on it. But, but the, John had asked me, what, the, what are you going to title this? And at first I, I didn't really know, but, but there were a couple things I had thought of, and I, I thought of, well, help in the night. Because David here in this passage is going through a difficult time. Uh, 
and it's in the night. I mean, my sore ran in the night. I mean, it, it was all through the night. He was, he was, uh, uh, the, the, the pain was present with him. He, it said his soul refused to be comforted. So I thought, you know, help in the night would be probably a good, a good title. And then, you know, of course, the brother gets up and starts singing about, you know, help in the storm. And, and, and it's just like, I, I love the way the Lord sets things up, but but we got to understand that that there are there is more than just trying to live right, just avoiding lust, uh, in order for us to try to get some help in this life. Uh, I made I made the point to you, Christian, that that as you're serving the Lord, trials and tribulations are coming. Mark it down, they're coming, and it's not because you necessarily. I mean, it could be, but it's not necessarily because you did anything wrong. But it's simply living in a sinful world. And, and so I, I want to look at two more things that we got to do if we want to get some help in the night. When you're going through a difficult time, if you want some help, look at verses 10 through 12. It says, And I said, this is my infirmity. Well, what infirmity? What he just laid out to us, right? The verses we read in the very beginning, right? And my soul refused to be comforted. Right? This is, he said, this is what I'm dealing with, all right? But... I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also on all thy work and talk of thy doings. Man, to, to, to meditate on what God's done. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And that, that's... That's kind of what we were doing this morning, looking at all these Old Testament saints and prophets who went through difficult times. We were saying, hey, look at what it is God did in their life. Have you stopped for, uh, for any length of time to, to, to try to look at what the Lord's done in your life? I was listening to some of the preaching this week uh, from Pastor Mike uh, down in San Antonio. He's preaching, you know, revival meeting down there for him, and Man, I got some I got some flashbacks from from San Antonio. It's been I don't know, a decade now. And and to see, you know, to see the people on the live stream there, it's like, man, I haven't he's got more gray hairs than he had before. You know, to, to see these people that I haven't seen in years was was cool. Um it it started stirring something up in in my heart. And of course, you know, Pastor Mike preaching a, a revival message is, is preaching, you know, on that very thing, on getting stirred up. And, and so it's just the, you know, seeing people that, that I had befriended years ago and then Pastor Mike preaching on, on being excited and getting stirred up and, and walking with the Lord. It's just you can't, you can't help but, but sit there and just kind of get excited in your soul. You just get stirred up a bit. Uh, and... and it, it was quite emotional for me as Pastor Mike was preaching those messages because he was talking about what, what God had done 10 years ago down there in San Antonio. See, I, w- I, was, I was just kind of trying to do my best. I didn't know much doctrine. I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a bunch of verses memorized back then. I, I didn't really know what I was even trying to do for the Lord. I was just... You know, I was just trying to be at church, like, hey, I'm here, you know. And Pastor had invited me on that missions trip to go down to, to Mexico, San Antonio first, and then we went into Mexico. And 
And I remember just kind of saying, like, yeah, all right, I'll come. Like, I don't know, I was just trying to do something for the Lord. I, I was just kind of, I was excited the Lord, Lord was doing something in my heart, and I didn't, I didn't know all the right answers or nothing, but, but we went down there, and, and man, it was, it, was, it was one of the best trips that I'd ever been on. The, the Lord used those people down there. God used those people down there to really impact my life. I mean, I mean, really impact my life. I, I, all of you guys know, most of you guys know, some of you don't, but the reason my wife is here and I've got those two little girls is because of that missions trip. I met my wife down there in, in Leon, Mexico. And had I, had I not just decided, like, look, I'm just going to try to do whatever I can for the Lord. I know it's not much. Like, I didn't go down there with the intention, like, I'm going to, you know, preach to these people. I'm going to be a good leader. I'm, no, I was following Pastor Micah said, hey, why don't you come on down? I said, all right, I'm coming. You know, you're, you're the man that knows God. Like, I, I don't know nothing, so yeah, I'll follow you. I'll go on down there. And, and in one of Pastor Mike's messages this, this last week, he was preaching on Elijah and Elisha. And I don't really want to rehash the whole thing. You guys can go listen to it, YouTube, Gatherings in Jesus' Name. Um, they don't, the church doesn't have a church name. It's just like the church at Oak Knoll. 601-something or whatever, church at Oaknell. But the YouTube gatherings in Jesus' name. And, and Pastor Mike preached uh, about Elijah and Elisha. And, and man, he was, he was really... I, maybe, I, maybe I was just right with the Lord, you know, so I, the Lord was stirring my heart up. But man, he, he was getting me excited because he was preaching about what, what the old guys have done, uh, about what Elijah has done, right? Uh, in, the, in this world, you know, what the, the, the peacock and ruckmans of, of this nation ha, have done for us. The, and one of the things that he was emphasizing is that, look, the old man is gone, Christian. Like, we might not ever see this church fill up to the, to the brim. We, we, we might not see a revival meeting out here, so much so we got to set up tents outside. We might not see mega churches of Bible-believing Christians. Those, those times are gone. We might not ever see that again, but, but he, and, he, and he started to focus on Elisha. So, but Elisha, in his ministry, he went on to do twice as many miracles as Elijah ever did, and his ministry lasted twice as long as Elijah's ever lasted. And, and what, what really struck me the most in the, in the sermon is that he, Pastor Mike made the point that when, when Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, Eli, Elijah basically told him, well, you know, if you, if you see me when I go up, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Sorry, he didn't know. But, but, but when Elisha knelt down next to that river with the mantle in his hand, and he went to smite that water, Elijah didn't ask for, where is the God of these miracles? He didn't say, where, where, are, where is the, the thousands of followers? He didn't, there wasn't anything he was after that, that Elijah had except for the God that Elijah had. And we wonder why God doesn't want to do anything in this day and age. That, that tends to be our perspective. How, how come God's done, right? How come, how come Elijah's gone and it's just Elisha left? Like, how, how come people aren't flocking to church and... and 
Well, Pastor Mike made the point. I think it's because we don't have the, the perspective. We don't have the mindset that Elisha had. See, we want the miracles from heaven. But we don't stop long enough to desire the God of those miracles. And Pastor Mike had said, you know, I wonder if we just stopped long enough to really seek God. I wonder if God wouldn't be done. But the problem, Christian, is just like David in this chapter, we have set out complaining, whining and murmuring just like the Israelites. And you get to that kind of point and and there's no room for God. God steps aside and he gives you over to your own lusts. And I know it's difficult because the day and age we live in, we live in America. <laughs> I mean, like, I, li- I, I had a sm- smartphone. You saw that, right? That, that, that just, it just lives at your fingertips. You can access anything you want at any time. It's difficult, but I, but I think if we were to prepare our hearts for the Lord, for when Peacock comes and preaches to us, I think one of the things we really need to get down is that there's some things in our lives that are in the way. There are these diverse lusts that the Lord demands of us to get rid of. I think if we were to really ha- see something get done in this day and age, we've got to set those things aside and we've got to start thinking about what it is the Lord's done for us in this life. He has done amazing things. And for you to think that God can't do any more amazing things is being extremely short-sighted. I think we need to be a little more like Elisha and pray for a double portion of that spirit. With our heads bowed and our, and our eyes closed.